patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone bring, should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That's how James ends his letter. And I am so grateful I didn't say this in the last service, but I want to say I'm so grateful, um, Bob, that we got to teach this. It was a, a real privilege to be able to teach this uh, starting out this new year. And I am so grateful for the words of James, the brother of Jesus. And he finishes on a high note. He finishes with an exclamation point. And I think it is highly applicable to the world today. Just this week, I got a text message from someone who said to me, hey, my father has been in an accident and he ended up in the ICU. Will you please pray for him? Not long after that, uh, the next day, I got a text message from a buddy who was trying to make a large decision that would impact his job and his family and Require a relocation to another state. And he said, will you pray for me? The next day I engaged with someone who was on their way over to visit a coworker whose 21 year old daughter had just committed suicide. And he said, will you please pray for me? 
And I wish I could say that that's just an abnormality, that's a different kind of a week for me than usual, but can I be honest with you? There's been more of those kind of weeks than normal lately. And I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I am fragile right now. Like, I'd love to get up here at the end of this James series and be like, yes, James, you got me. I'm strong. I'm courageous. I'm like Joshua now. And I'm just telling you, I'm fragile. I'm a little fragile, okay? And here's the thing. I think you're fragile too. I think this year has been frustrating. It has been difficult. We are seeing people crack. We're seeing relationships crack. We're seeing... Things break apart and fracture in the world around us. And I think it's because we're honestly, we're fragile. Our bodies are fragile. If if one cell in your body decides to turn on you this week, it can destroy your entire body. Those of us who are in business, you know, you are one bad business decision away from your financial picture looking very, very differently this week. In your relationships with each other, you know that many of them, they they stand on this ledge and they could go this way or that way any minute, any day. All aspects of our life, especially right now, seem to be fragile. So what do we do? Well, we need to look at James. And we need to look at his final words and remember that he is speaking to a church that is being persecuted. He is speaking to a church that has been scattered, that has been hidden in their homes, afraid of going outside, right? We are talking to a James who knows what it's like to be in an incredibly tense situation in culture and in the world in that day. We are talking to a James who knows what it's like to talk to Christians who are struggling as well. And in his last last stanza of this letter, in his crescendo, he wants to remind us of one thing this morning, and it is this. A faith that works is prayerful. A faith that works is prayerful. James could have ended it any way he wanted to, but he ended in prayer. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is how full of prayer is your life? Is prayer just a passing thought? Is prayer that thing you do when things get hard? Is prayer that thing that you rarely ever have time for? Or is your faith full of prayer? Because I think James wants our lives, our faith to be brimming with prayer. Ongoing prayer in lots of circumstances, in lots of different ways. I think he wants us to live in prayerful ways because prayer is powerful and it's effective. It's powerful and it's effective. It's powerful. Think about this for a minute. 
Don't you have moments in life where you love someone, but you can't give them everything that they need and you feel powerless? Aren't there these moments when life is too big for you, too big for your loved ones, and you feel absolutely powerless? Well, that should drive you to prayer. That should drive you to the one thing that can be powerful in the midst of powerless situations. I read an author once who said, if you love someone, if you really love someone, you will want more for them than you can give them, and that should always lead you to prayer. It should lead you to prayer because prayer is full of power. It's full of power and it's effective. It's effective. If you're wondering if it's effective or effective, don't know. I have no idea. I have no I haven't figured it out yet. I'm just going to, maybe in my next 40 years, I'll figure that out. Uh, I use the word, pro tip, impactful. That's what I do, okay? So if you're like, ah, is it effective or effective? Nope, got a lot of impact, okay? So um, that's, that's what I'm going with. All right. No, no, no. Prayer is effective. It is. It, it, it makes a tangible difference. That's a, that's a good way of saying it. It makes a tangible difference difference. Prayer makes an impact in people's lives. It changes things. It helps things. It does something real in people's lives. It's powerful and it's effective. It's powerful and it's effective. I have seen marriages that were on the brink of disaster absolutely saved by prayer. I've seen families brought back together because of the power and effectiveness of prayer. I've seen people who are in the darkest place rise out of the darkest place because the power and the effectiveness of other people's prayers for them, it did something in their life. Prayer is powerful and effective, and we need to have a faith filled with prayer. James wants to give us a tangible example of what this looks like. Just like last week, we looked at suffering and we looked at Job. He wants us to look in an Old Testament character and see what a tangible example of this looks like. He wants us to look at a tangible example, Elijah. Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament and prophets, they would come and remind people of their waywardness to God. Sometimes when we get up here, sometimes Bob and I, when we get up here, we're speaking in sort of a prophetic way sometimes when we say, hey, hey, you need to stop sinning and turn back to God. That's, that's sort of a prophetic moment, right? We are, we are trying to direct you back to God and that's what Elijah did. He continued throughout the Old Testament to bring God's people back to him. Here's how James sums up Elijah's story. He says this, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Say that with me. Even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced 
crops. Tangible example of this is Elijah. And Elijah, he's this great prophet, and we sometimes do this with people like Elijah. We put him up on a mantle. We're like, oh, those are the heroes of the Old Testament. Let me give you a synopsis of the story of Elijah. So Elijah shows up during the reign of King Ahab. King Ahab was an awful king. He did terrible things and he led people away from God and toward other gods. In fact, under the reign of Ahab, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophets, not of God, but of two fake gods, Baal and Asherah. And they would worship and serve them. And then he was, he was uh, married to this gal named Jezebel. Now, you don't even need to know what Jezebel's story is because if somebody says Jezebel, you're like, mm-hmm, stay away from her, right? I'm like, don't name my kid Jezebel. And if you are, I apologize. That's why they call you Jezzy. Okay, so, right? Shortened it up. <laughs> so here's the deal. Ahab and Jezebel are running the kingdom into the ground. Elijah shows up and God gives him marching orders. You gotta go into the kingdom and you gotta tell them they need to turn back to me. And because they've been unfaithful, they're gonna experience a famine and a drought and it is gonna wipe them out. So Elijah comes in, he marches into Ahab. He says, hey, here's what's gonna happen. Because of your unfaithfulness, God is gonna make things bad. He's gonna allow drought and famine here and there will not be rain in the land and I'm gonna pray for it, my friend. I'm gonna pray for it and it's not gonna happen because I believe that prayer is powerful and effective and so it doesn't rain. And Ahab is not real happy about this. Jezebel's not real happy about this and, and so uh, they actually are kind of thinking about, oh, how can we get rid of this Elijah character and Elijah's like, I gotta get out of here and he runs to the mountains amazing story of God's providence. He actually gets fed by ravens and then ends up in a widow's home where she feeds him and takes care of him and God provides for him. After a few years, he comes back to the kingdom and he says, okay, do you understand the point? Do you understand what God is saying to you? Do you understand the power of God to stop the actual weather? He says, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you to show you what this is all about. In fact, I want you to take all of those prophets of those fake gods. I want you to march them up this mountain, Mount Carmel. We're going to go up there. I'm going to build an altar. You're going to build an altar. And you guys are going to see if your God can show up and consume that altar. And then I'm going to talk to my God. I'm going to see if he can consume this altar. So they march up to the top of Mount Carmel for everyone to see in the area. And the prophets, all hundreds of them, are screaming and yelling and Elijah's like, ah, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he's out on a walk. Maybe he went to relieve himself. It's in there. I'm just telling you, you got to read it. Okay. So he's just messing with them and nothing shows up. Nothing happens. No gods show up. And before you start pointing fingers at those crazy people back then, listen, you got gods in your life and they don't show up for you either. You got gods in your life and they don't show up either. But Elijah says, hey, look at my altar. Looks a little too dry. Looks like kindling. So throw some water on that. And then do it again. And then do it again. 
until the altar is just saturated. And then he just looks up to heaven and he says, Lord, hear my prayer. And boom, fire falls from heaven. Lightning strikes and consumes even the rocks of the altar. And shortly after, because you know what happens after lightning strikes, shortly after, the storm comes and the rains come all because of the power of Elijah's prayer, all because of the effectiveness of Elijah's prayer. It's a phenomenal story. Theologian John Calvin says this about the story of Elijah. It's a notable event for God to put the heavens, the sky, in some sense, under the control of Elijah's prayers, to be obedient to his requests. By his prayers, Elijah kept the heavens shut for many years. Then he opened it and made it suddenly pour with great rain, from which we may see the miraculous power of prayer. Tim Keller comments on John Calvin's commentary by saying this. This is one of the great mysteries of the Bible, that somehow our prayers would have impact, that our prayers would be powerful and they would be effective. Even though God is in control, even though God is in charge, even though God is the big word, sovereign over everything, our prayers make a difference. And here's the problem. We think Elijah is this crazy, holy guy and we're nothing like him. And we put people on these pedestals. I'll give an example. So when Bob and I get invited over to your house, I'm I'm not, well, I don't know, you probably are more holy than I am about this. But we go over to your house and we get to the time when we're gonna eat. And you know what you all do to us? You look at us. I see you're like, Bob, Brian, you're going to say grace. Bless us with your words of sustenance over this bounteous smorgasbord before us, right? Like you want, you want us to be eloquent and have some words for you. It happens all the time. Can I just tell you a secret? I don't think this is actually about Bob. I think Bob actually does want to pray. I don't want to, okay? I'm just like, like you're like, Pastor Brian, will you pray? And I, and I will, okay? Next time I'm over, I will pray for your meal, but I don't want to. I, I pray all the time, man. Like, I pray all the time. It's your house, you pray, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you, okay? Next time I come over, just remember this sermon. Be like, I gotta pray tonight. I gotta pray, okay? And here's why I want you to pray. It's funny, but it's not. Here's why I want you to pray. My prayer is no more powerful and effective than your prayer. Your prayer is just as effective as Elijah's prayer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yeah, like some of you do and you're saying amen. I'm like, come on, you're gonna pray, okay? Like, because I don't think we actually embrace this. James makes it clear. Elijah was a human being just like us, even as we are. That's what he says, even as we are. Translation, just like us. If Elijah can pray that the rain would stop for many years so that God's glory 
could come in its fullness, how much more can your prayers do? If the same spirit that was at work in the resurrection of Jesus that we're going to celebrate next week, if that same spirit is within us, how powerful and effective are our prayers? I want you to pray. And I want to give you three simple prayers to pray. Three simple prayers. And here's the deal. I'm going to go through these and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray here. We're going to pray now. This ain't going to be a sermon where I just talk about it. This is a sermon where we're going to do it together. So three simple prayers. Number one, it's a prayer of confession. A prayer of confession. All right? Confession's not a bad word, right? If you, if you like recovering Catholic, it's okay. It's all right. We're going to be okay. All right? Like, and if you're not, you don't even know what confession is, that's okay. Here's what it is. Confession is simply asking God to forgive you, to admit to God that you have a problem. Here's what James says. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's a great way to start every single time you have a prayer time with God is starting with a prayer of confession. I make this a habit and a practice in my life. I admit to God, God, I don't have it all together. You have it all together. I've got big blind spots in my life. You can see everything. I I fall short. You never do. That's what I do. I confess my sins to God. There is power in confession. You need to confess your sins to God. Because I know we don't like this, but this is where I I always push you guys on this. You can take this. We We can be pushed on this together. We need to admit that we have a problem. And the problem is us. The problem's not her. The problem is not him. He's a problem too, okay? But he's not your problem. You're your problem. If he would go, ah, I'm, I'm the problem, and you would go, ah, I'm the problem, things would get better, okay? We need to confess our sins. We need to be humble, not arrogant. Humble to confess our sins to God. I think this is a, a, a forgotten prayer of the church. We wanna run to Easter Sunday, but we don't wanna fully embrace Good Friday and, and us putting... Jesus on that cross. So prayers of confession. Number two, prayers for healing. Prayers for healing. I'm making somebody nervous right now. Okay. Here's what James says. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Anyone of you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I don't want you to miss this. Don't substitute a cure for healing. Don't substitute a cure for healing. Jesus wants to heal us. There is no doubt about that, but oftentimes we just want what we think Jesus should do. 
And so when we don't get the results that we want, we're like, well, what's wrong? Did I not pray the right prayer, Jesus? Jackpot, Jesus, better pull the handle again. No, no, right? You didn't pull the handle wrong. Your job is to lift that person up in prayer. It's not your job to heal. It's not your job to heal. And healing might come in a way that you don't expect. Wholeness might come in a way that you don't expect. Some of the hardest things in your life have produced the most healing. Some of the hardest things in life have produced the most healing in your soul. So our job is to pray for healing. Pray for those who are hurting. Pray for those who are suffering. Pray for those whose bodies are broken, finances are broken, relationships are broken. Pray, pray, pray that God would restore them. I know James knew this story. There's these four friends, right? And their friend is lame. He can't walk. So they pick him up on a mat and they bring him to Jesus because they hear Jesus is in town. And they get to the house where Jesus is teaching and preaching and they say, we gotta get him to Jesus. And so the one friend, the crazy friend, you got that friend, right? And he's like, he, he's like, he's the prepper. You know, you know him. Okay. So, and he's like, I know how I can do. We're going to climb up on the roof. We're going to dig through the roof and we're going to drop him down to Jesus. And their friend's like, okay, let's go. So they get up on the roof. They open up their roof. They rip it through and they drop their friend to Jesus. And Jesus heals their friend. But their job wasn't to heal their friend. Their job was to get their friend to Jesus. I mean, consider what Jesus actually says in that moment. Go back to that story. Jesus actually looks at the man and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Don't you think the friends were up there like, hey, uh, what about the whole walking thing, Jesus? Like, if we walk, like we took, he needs to walk too, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what Jesus does. Son, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, so that you might know that I have the power to forgive sins, rise up and walk. It's our job to pray. It's our job to bring somebody to Jesus. And then Jesus will do what he needs to do with them. Pray for healing. Number three, prayers for salvation. Prayers for salvation. James concludes his letter by saying this, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. We need to be praying for those who are lost, praying for those who don't know Jesus. We need to be praying without ceasing for those who don't know Jesus. We need to be lifting them up before Jesus and saying, please, Jesus, reveal yourself to them. Give me the boldness and the courage when I have moments to share you with them. Give me those, that courage, that boldness to be able to share the good news of you with that person. We need to be praying and praying and praying that God would save them that God would pull them up out of the pit. I mean, I look around church and there are lost people everywhere. This should break your heart. We should be obsessed 
with reaching the lost. Do you know what church people do too often? They're obsessed with the church doing things the way they want them done instead of obsessed with the mission of Jesus to reach lost people. Listen, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we do things, like sometimes I put a wig on and very tight pants so I can reach, yes, not for you though, so I can reach, (laughs) so I can reach, so we can reach lost people with fun. So we can say, hey, consider Jesus. He might not be who you expect him to be. We want to reveal Jesus. We want to proclaim Jesus. We want to lift up Jesus. We want to save every single one. Every single one. Every single one in your neighborhood who doesn't know Jesus. Jesus wants to save. Everyone in your family that doesn't know Jesus. Jesus wants to save. Everyone in the state of Montana, Jesus wants to save. Everyone in the United States and in the world, Jesus wants them. He wants them. And we get to participate with him in that by lifting them up and praying for salvation. So enough talk, let's pray. Let's pray. Here's what we're gonna do. For those of you who are getting nervous at the moment, okay. Um, We're gonna go through these three prayers together. So we're gonna have a time uh, of silent confession. Uh, Maybe you grew up in the church, like old school, you like this, okay. Uh, A prayer of silent confession where we're confessing our sins before God, then I'll take a pause and then uh, we will pray for healing. And at that point, I will, um, I will, want to interact with you a little bit around uh, thinking of someone who needs healing. And I want you to lift that person up. Like the four friends who lifted their buddy up, I want you to, in prayer, lift him up. So we're going we're gonna to be lifting up a whole bunch of people. It's going to be a fragrant offering to Jesus, okay? And, and then I'll pause. And, and then uh, we'll finish by praying for salvation for those people in your neighborhood, in your family, in your life who don't know Jesus. I'll interact with you a little bit and we're gonna need to lift those people up before Jesus as well and then we're gonna get to see the power and the effectiveness of prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess our sins to you. We admit to you we're wrong and you're right. We are weak and you are strong. We are sinners in need of a savior. Jesus, in in our heart right now, in 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 the echo of our heart, we confess our sins to you. We confess our pride We confess our shortcomings in our actions. How we've missed the mark in our thought life. We confess that we have bad motives. We confess to you that we 
We need you, Jesus. We need you to forgive our sins. Against you and you alone, God, have I sinned. Wash me and make me whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. Jesus, there are so many who need healing in our lives. God, I I ask that you'd bring somebody to mind for us right now. Somebody who needs healing physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Somebody who needs wholeness, God, and we, we can't fix it for them. So God, we want to lift those people up to you. If you have somebody in mind, I I, I want you to just quietly raise your hand real high. If you're online, there's a button for you to raise your hand as well. Raise that person up. Raise that hand up and let's pray for those people. Jesus, heal them. Every hand got to represent somebody. Somebody that you've died for. Somebody that you rose for. Somebody that you that you want to be whole again. So God, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus that you would restore relationships, heal bodies. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us healing, oh God. Only you, only you are able. And finally, God, there are those who are so lost. I pray that you just bring those people to mind right now, that you'd bring one person to mind in our heads. And God, um, I pray that we'd be able to lift them up Once again, uh, if you have someone in mind, just raise up your hand, raise up your hand wherever you might be online. Let's raise that person up to Jesus. Let's bring that person to Jesus. Jesus, we lift these people up to you as a fragrant offering. We want salvation in their lives. They are lost, but they can be found. And only you, God, only you can change their hearts. Only you can reveal yourself to them. Only you can open up their eyes. And so we pray boldly, God, would you save every single one of them? We love you, Jesus. Make us people of prayer. It's in your name we pray and we stand together to continue to worship. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.